all ages now have been hearing about that term brand ambassador. It's been popularized over the last couple years. And it comes from the word ambassador, which is a diplomatic agent of highest rank that's accredited to a foreign government as their representative, the resident representative of their own government. They go to another land, they represent the country from which they're coming. But for um, nowadays, I think people know more brand ambassadors, right, than diplomatic ambassadors. I, I can't even name one. Can you name one? <laughs> but you know, you know the Michael Jordan, he's, he, he's a brand ambassador for his own line, Jordan Shoes. You know, um, George Foreman Grills, that was a brand ambassador for the George Foremans. You know, Shaq, he was a brand ambassador for Papa John's Pizza. So these are brand ambassadors. These are like the Instagram influencers. Y'all know about those? The celebrities or even regular people that try to sell you something. Y'all with me? Yeah. All right. So a brand ambassador is a person who is engaged in an org by an organization or a company to represent its brand in a positive light. It helps, they're trying to help increase brand awareness. Oh, there it go, yes. Um, okay, I'm not there yet. Brand awareness and sales, and the brand ambassador is meant to embody the corporate identity in appearance, in demeanor, in values, and ethics. Predominantly, a brand ambassador is known as a positive spokesperson, an opinion leader, or a community influencer appointed as an external or external agent to boost product or sales, service sales and create brand awareness. Now, just think about some of these things. Appearance, demeanor, values, ethics. A positive spokesperson. Amen. Keep that in your mind as we go on. Amen. Why are we talking about brand ambassadors? Why are we talking about this? Because we are all brand ambassadors and our brand is Jesus. Amen. Our brand is Jesus, our Lord and Savior. We are brand ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We are brand ambassadors of Christianity at large. We are God's ambassadors, and we are all called to make disciples. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20, and I'm going to read out of the NLT. So it says here, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. We are God's ambassadors. We are the brand ambassadors for Jesus. We all make an appeal to others to come back to God. That's how we should be living. You know, a lot of times when we hear the word disciple, we automatically kind of tune out because it seems like it's an old word from an old time that has nothing to do with what we are right now. But the thing is, discipleship, discipling is relevant now. It's not just those 12 men that were following Jesus. It's, it's more than that. It's, 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 it's someone who follows something, someone who adheres completely to the teachings of another. 
making those teachings your very own rule of life or conduct. That's what a disciple is. That's when you break it down. It is simply a follower. So everything that we see in Jesus, everything that we learn from Jesus, we are trying to emulate that. We're trying to follow that. He is our example. We're trying to imitate and live our lives as Jesus would. That's why he's called us disciples, and he calls us to make disciples. Amen? We do that as being ambassadors for Christ. So when you think about what is, what, what's my job, you are a disciple. You are a person who is desiring to seek and apply biblical wisdom in their life, personally, professionally, and spiritually. Discipleship boils down to the simple act of helping someone move closer to Jesus. Just think about that. Are you helping somebody move closer to Jesus? Are you applying the word as it relates to your life personally? Are you applying the word as it relates to your life professionally? Are you applying the word as it relates to your life spiritually? Amen. We are either helping people move closer to Jesus or we are helping people move further away from Jesus. What are you doing? Our goal in discipleship in moving people closer to Jesus is moving them towards spiritual maturity, but also getting them to the place where now they can disciple someone else. It's reproduction. It's reproducing. We're reproducing ourselves. So once someone accepts Jesus and becomes a follower of Jesus, the process of discipleship does not stop. You continue to mature and mature and grow into sanctification, which is just being more set apart, which really is just being more and more like Jesus. That's what we have been commanded to do. It's not an option. It's not voluntary. It's mandatory. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, in the King James Version. And he saith unto them, Jesus said, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Fishers of men. That's discipleship. Matthew 28, verse 19 through 20. This is the last thing that Jesus told us to do. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. This is not just for those who are standing up here on the platform. This is not just for those who have a title. This is for us all. Amen. And we don't have to go to Africa or even Mexico to do this. God has set us exactly where we need to be in order to fulfill our roles as being a brand ambassador for Jesus. Luke chapter 14, verse 27 in the King James. And it said, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Again, this is what God has commanded us to do. 
And as Elder Stacy told, asked us last week, are you doing your job? You got to ask yourselves. I have to ask myself, am I doing my job? Wherever you are placed in your life, you have been given a unique opportunity to share Christ with the unique people that are around you. Just think about this week. Why did God place me to live here at, in this neighborhood or in this apartment building or work here at this building or take this train or set me in this family? Why has God put me around the people that he's put me around? What is your sphere of influence? What is your sphere of influence? We all have a sphere of influence. We all have people that we see, we frequent. And it doesn't have to be large. It can be a few friends from school. It can be parents in a student group. It doesn't matter. It could be the people that you work out with. Who is your sphere of influence? And we have to not try to make this bigger than it is. It's simple. God has set us in the places that we go regularly for a reason. And the key is not to think about the numbers like, oh, you know, I, I need more people. I need more people. You need to work the sphere of influence that you have, whether it be one, two people. That's your influence. Those are the people that you're supposed to walk alongside with as you grow in faith. It's quality over quantity. As we're going to talk about, discipleship is all about relationship. Amen? And we're all called to be disciples, regardless of our background, regardless of our education, regardless of our past mistakes, regardless of our past hurts. It does not matter. Jesus called those that were unlikely. He didn't choose the wealthy or the most what liked. He chose those that were isolated from society. The fishermen were isolated from society. He chose the bleeding woman. He chose the man with leprosy. He chose those that had sin in their lives. That's who he's choosing. And it doesn't matter if we're quiet or shy or introverts or homebodies or don't like people. It doesn't matter because it doesn't depend on our personality. God does not depend on your personality. In fact, God tells us, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. He already knows you got a weakness. And his power is made perfect in that. Amen. So what is your sphere of influence? What is your sphere of influence and are you working it? Are you working your sphere of influence? Are you moving people closer to Jesus? You know, all throughout my life, you know, I innately worked my sphere of influence. Even long before I was called to be a minister, um, when I was a child even, I used to mentor kids in a playground. I used to be a playground pal. I was like in first grade, and I was the playground pal for the kindergartners. And then as I grew up, I became a cadet and helped children cross the street. And then I would mentor kids in school. And, and then as an adult, I would mentor adults. And even I would send inspirational notes and messages to my friends. Long before I had any sort of title or anything, I was working my sphere of influence. And here's the thing, discipleship, the process, doesn't begin when someone decides to follow Jesus. 
It begins when someone allows somebody else who is a disciple of Jesus to meet their needs. That's all it is. I was meeting people's needs. I was a playground pal. I was meeting that child's need. I was a tutor. I was meeting that student's need. I was a mentor. I was meeting that person's need. And I wasn't praying for them. I wasn't saying anything spiritual. I wasn't inviting them to a church. I was meeting a need. Me as a disciple, me as a follower of Jesus was meeting another person's need in a non-spiritual way. That's what we get mixed up sometimes in the church. We think that it's like we have to just start and lead with Jesus. That's not our job. It could be anything from babysitting, helping somebody with a job. You may be realizing, hey, I've been discipling all along, and I had no idea. Yes, you have. When we meet somebody else's need, whether you're helping somebody get a job, financial consulting, whatever it is, when you're meeting, helping meet people's non-spiritual needs, you are providing a value in their lives. You are building a relationship which now the Lord can breathe upon. Amen. When Jesus was with the fishermen in Luke 5 and they were trying to get the fish, he was helping them meet a need. They were toiling all night and couldn't get, catch a fish. And Jesus told them to cast their net out into the deep here. Try again. He was helping them meet a physical need of getting more fish. Once he did that, then he said, okay, come with me. I'll help you become fishers of men now. But he met their needs first. Amen. Serving in a church gives us the opportunity to disciple. That's why we've been talking about serving. Like you may be good at cameras and technical things. You serve on the media team. As you're serving, you're getting to know the other people. One day you're talking about something that has nothing to do with church. And one day they ask you for a favor for something and you meet that need for them. A relationship is formed. That's, this is what discipleship is. Don't make it this big chore or this burden or this hardship or, oh, we going out in the street or, this you know, evangelist. Like, it's not that deep. God already knows what's on our plates. A lot of times we try to add all this stuff and we're like, oh, this is something extra I got to do. This, he's not trying to burden you. This is something we can all incorporate into our already daily lives. He's not trying to put more on us than we can bear. Discipleship is meant to fit seamlessly into your life. Because the Lord set you at that, at that daycare for a reason. That's why he set you there. He set you at that school for a reason. He set you at that job for a reason. So think about all the people that are already in your life that you always see, your coworkers, your friends, your neighbors, your church members, the, the high school friends that you are friends with on Facebook, the acquaintances. Think about all of these people. You don't got to add anybody new to the list. That's your sphere of influence. Work it. How do you work it? You pray for them individually. You don't even, they don't even have to know that you're praying for them. Like, stop making it so deep. You just pray for them individually. 
Ask about their lives. Ask what's going on. Do things for them. Invite them for coffee and not to church. Go for lunch. Go for a hike. Do something with those people. People need to know that you care about them and their lives before they ever going to start listening to you and about who you serve. And you have that opportunity. Just keep reaching out, making yourself available. Keep investing in their lives. Sometimes it's going to take months and months and months before you're even able to build somebody's trust to even have a spiritual conversation. A lot of times we're in the church, we're impatient. We want to just present Jesus. Hey, you want to accept Jesus? No. Uh, and then we move on. What if somebody was trying to sell you something like that? You ain't going to want to receive it like that. So investing takes time. It takes patience. It takes, again, meeting people's personal needs. Amen. Because people, at the end of the day, they desire authenticity. They don't want fakeness. They don't want numbers like, hey, I got five souls today, and I don't know where they are. I don't know what they're doing no more. I just met them on the street, and now they're gone. And people desire authentic community. But be prepared for the no's. Be prepared for the people to turn up their nose at you like, I don't, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. Or I'm busy, not now. Don't allow that to create a spirit of rejection within you because it's not about you. Don't make their no make you not reach out to the next person in your sphere of influence. You got to continue to make yourself available and open. Jesus, how often was Jesus rejected? Yet he still kept opening up himself to people and having compassion for people. And that's who we're supposed to be like. And at the end of the day, they're not rejecting you. They may be busy. They may not be ready to open up to anyone. You know, as much as we live in a society or social media where everybody publicizes everything, people are still very guarded in trying to build an actual connection with people. They only want to show you what they want to show you and want you to interact with you the way that they want you to interact with them. And in terms of discipleship, you got to be patient. It's going to take time. When you're walking along somebody to show them Jesus and you're, you're helping them grow in a deeper and personal way, it takes time. And we always don't see the fruit of it. That's another reason why we get discouraged and we stop. We don't see the fruit. Well, the thing is, you may not see the fruit. You may never see the fruit. It may be somebody else that sees the fruit. But you've planted the seed. You have started it. We are called to go and make disciples. And then again, that takes the pressure off of us that we got to work something for ourselves. It's the Lord that brings the increase in his own time. So don't be discouraged when you don't see the fruit. Don't be discouraged when you don't see the result from your spiritual investment. I know somebody who, do, who, who is watching you, who does see what you're doing, and it's God. Hallelujah. Amen. 
So for me, discipleship has always been important because I've always wanted to show others what God has taught me. I always wanted to help people with the things that I've struggled with, show people how to handle difficulties and storms in their life or different things because I know that God has done that for me. And if through my testimony, if through my transparency, if through my life, I can help somebody else experience Jesus, grow closer to Jesus, or, or just be, feel better about themselves, have more peace in their life, have more joy in their life, then I know I've done something. Amen? Amen. The key to effective discipleship is exactly what we do here at Lifeline System of Church. It's about going outside of the four corners of the walls of the church. It's about meeting people's personal and professional needs. When Sister Kim was up here talking about those girls at the school, us bringing coats and hats and gloves are meeting those women and those children's personal needs. There ain't a scripture attached to it. It ain't you got to say this prayer. It ain't you got to come to church five times in order to receive a coat. No, we're just meeting your needs into a targeted community in a non-spiritual way. That's what outreach is. That's why it's so important. And we've always done that here. We've always, our outreach is always about meeting needs, giving gas. That's meeting a need. Clothing drives, meeting a need. Building wells, meeting a need. School adoptions, meeting a need. National love people, we meeting a need. We are providing people ways to get to know us. And as they get to know us, they get to know the Father. Amen? You may be the only, only Jesus that they ever encounter. So when we're talking about discipleship, it involves dying. Us dying. Let's turn to Mark chapter 8. Are y'all getting this? Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 8, verse 34 through 35. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, this is Jesus, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. In Mark 8, 35, it says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. Amen? Amen. Jesus says, whoever does not bear their own cross. Jesus had a cross, and we all have a cross. We all have individual crosses that we bear. Whatever the situations, the things that you're dealing with, whatever's unique to you, whatever the hardships are, that may be your cross. But he says that you have to, you have to take up your cross, you have to deny yourself, and you have to follow me. You have to become my disciple. A disciple is someone who leaves it all behind, meaning they essentially die to their own desires. They die to their own wants. They die to their ideas, their beliefs about how things should go. They die to how they want to control a situation or believe how a certain situation shall be. You're dying to that. And you're saying, God, I trust you that you know best. 
God, I trust you that you placed me on this job for a reason. And although right now it's difficult for me right now, it is a cross that I'm actually bearing. I'm going to trust you that you know what you're doing and that in the end there will be victory. It's leaving everything else behind and putting God and putting Jesus and putting his word first. So anything else, even relationships, even your marriage, even your children, even your ideas, your desires, all of that shall be second to Jesus, to the Lord, to God. That's why in Luke 14 it says, if anyone comes after me, this was Jesus saying, and does not hate his own father and mother and his wife and his children and his brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And a lot of times people read this and like, oh, we got to hate, you know, hate our parents and we got to hate, you know, all these other people because if they ain't about what I'm about, then we just going to hate them. That's not what Jesus was saying. <laughs> they like, oh, yeah, because Jesus was rude to his mama, too. And that's why. And that's where we get that from. That's not what he's talking about. He's not saying hate your parents, hate your spouses or your children. He's saying that those things, those people should not be more important than the word of God. And if at the end of the day you got to choose, you need to choose the word of God. Because only what we do for the Lord will last. Amen. So the disciples, they actually physically left everything that they knew. They left their towns. They left their families. They left what they knew. They left their jobs. They forsook all things and followed Jesus. Now, what does that look like for us? We, we don't got to, you ain't got to leave your house. You're going to leave your family. You don't have to do all of that. For us, what it means is turning off the distractions, Turning off the notifications and the alerts and anything that takes our attention off of the word of God. Anything that takes our affection off of the word of God. Where now you're considering, hey, I need to do this this way, even though the word of God says do it that way. Then that, that's something that's taking, moving your affection from the word of God. Your love should be in following the word of God. And nothing else should matter. It's not about, it's not about other people. You, 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 you don't, it, it's not about money. It's not about all of those other things, your plans or your desires. And this is how good the Lord is. The Lord says, when you delight yourself in me, I will give you the desires of your heart. It's always about a position. It's always about a posture. It's always about a, a priority with the Lord. He just wants to see where your heart is. Amen? Once he sees where your heart is, he wants to give you all that other stuff. And what he has is even better than what you could even dream of. But when you put... When you put these other people, you put these other things, and you trust in them more than you trust in God, then you're out of position, you're out of whack, and now you're unable to receive the blessings from God. His ways are better, amen? And that's what dying to ourselves is about. That's what leaving everything else behind is about. That's what surrendering to the Lord is about. In Luke 5, 5, when we were talking about they were fishing, and, and Peter said, answered unto them, saying, Master, we have toiled all the night 
and we have nothing. These were expert fishermen. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. We have to obey the Lord and his word, even when it does not make sense. This was a carpenter telling an expert fisherman what they needed to do in order to get fish after they done fished all night long. Now, you think about yourself and the, something that you do well in your job. And you know when somebody else come on and say, hey, just try this. You're like, I done tried all of this other stuff. And it has not worked. And here you, you don't, you, you're not even in IT. Why are you telling me to unplug the computer and plug it back up? I ain't, why am I listening to you? That's how we, well, that's how some of us are, but that's how we could be. That's how Peter could have been. But he said, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. I will launch into the deep. I will trust you even though it does not make sense. I will trust you even though your credentials don't match what you're telling me. I will trust you. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will obey. That needs to be in our vocabulary. When stuff comes and we're like, why I got to do this? Why? Why is this? Nevertheless, at thy word, I will obey you, Lord. A disciple is someone can look at their situation, and no matter how bleak it is, no matter how dark it is, no matter how hopeless it seems, they are willing to trust God. Amen? Nevertheless, at thy word, I will obey you. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will trust you, Lord. Amen. When you're a disciple, you can look at your broken marriage. You can look at financial hardship. You can look at a negative medical report. You can look at your child not being home. You can look at those situations where it looks like there's no light. And you can say, nevertheless, Lord, I will trust you. I will continue to pray for them. I will continue to give them a meal when they come home. I will continue to receive them with joy and gladness. I will continue to sow, even though my finances are, are funny right now. That's what a disciple does. Continuing, choosing to continue to trust God at his word, obeying him at his word, even when it doesn't make sense. That's the modern-day disciple. Amen? Say, I am a disciple. And also, in terms of being a disciple, John 13, 35, you can turn there. This goes into what we were just doing last month. It said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Being a disciple is choosing to love others. Choosing to love those that are difficult, those who don't even feel deserve that they should deserve our love because of they, maybe something they did to us. Love that crosses all of boundaries of race, of political party, of culture, of social norms, of economic status, of, of deserving, of conditions. That is how God wants us to love. That's what being a disciple is. Because that's what Jesus did. He loved the unlovable. Like they weren't trying to hear him, a lot of them. They was like, the woman at the well was kind of like, no, nah, let's let me get my water and go. They weren't all like, oh, it's Jesus. Like, let me, let me have the longest kind. No. And that's how sometimes people are with us. They ain't trying to hear us. They ain't trying to mess with us. They ain't trying to fool with us. But love 
covers that. That's what the world needs to see. Amen? Because when Jesus loved the unlovable, everybody in the world was like, this is a radical. Like, who is this person that's loving these people? Like, what? But God has called us to do the same, and that's exactly what our culture, our society, our world needs now. Amen? Amen. Jesus chose to love those who betrayed him, who persecuted him, who accused him, who hung him on a cross to die. He said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's what being a disciple is. You are able to see the whole picture. Yes, they may came at you all wrong, but what, is, what are they dealing with that they haven't told you about? They haven't told anybody about. That's what being a disciple is. So getting back to our assignment, in our last five minutes, I want to show us, go back to being a brand ambassador for Jesus. Like, what does that actually look like, okay? All right, so brand ambassador for Christ. How many of you, if you started a job, you had to sign a code of conduct? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, these code of conduct forms have sections about even social media. And they're like, you got to interact a certain way on social media if you're going to be representing this company. So a lot of times they have different things and, and different social media policies, and they have a lot of elements in common. And the thing is, you know, we just accept it, we sign it because we want the job. And we follow it. But listen to some of these things and then think about as it relates to being a brand ambassador for Jesus. So some of these policies say don't speak negatively about the company. <laughs> Just let it sit. Some of these policies say don't speak negatively about management or management practices. Some of these policies have don't disclose insider company information. Don't engage in bullying behavior, any foul language or name calling. Res remain respectful at all times. Don't post, share, or condone content that would seem to be racist, violent, misogynistic. And here's the thing, most employees, they just accept it. They simply adhere to it because they want a paycheck, they don't want to lose their job. And yet, why we as Christians, disciples, as disciple makers, why don't we adhere to the same principles when it comes to Jesus? We're brand ambassadors for Jesus, right? We're brand ambassadors for the Lord. We're brand ambassadors for Christianity at, a, at large. So how we behave, how we debate, how we engage, not just on social media, but everywhere we go, because we're living epistles to be read of men. How we engage matters. It reflects on us. And we risk losing souls. That's what we risk. Let that sink in for a moment. How I behave on social media or how I behave on my job or how I behave at the grocery store, how I behave at the DMV may make someone close the door to Christ for good. It could have just been one interaction and they're done. 
for good, people are watching us. And you may have posted a praise report on Monday, praise the Lord Jesus, but by Tuesday you're talking about somebody and about what they said. I'm going to side-eye you. And if I'm going to side-eye you, you know people that don't even believe go side-eye you. You may be the only sample of heaven, listen to that, that some people will see. And you may think, my life don't look nothing like heaven. It's too chaotic and... And it's like, but still, you're closer to heaven than they are because you know Jesus. What they'll know about God's working in people's lives, they're going to get from watching your life. Every brand, every brand represents a set of values. It has a way of life associated with that company, with that brand. And every, every entity is controlled by a set of beliefs or principles that tell a story. Whatever the story is, their story, whatever that organization or that brand stands for. And again, what we're dealing with here is Satan's desire is to place his brand, his unique mark on the earth. That's what he's trying to do. His prevailing way of life. The enemy is trying to make that prevalent in the earthly realm. Yet we have to be brand ambassadors for Jesus and make sure that we are keeping the mark of Jesus in the world, keeping the mark of love in the world. Amen? All right, so what's our code of conduct for brand ambassadors for Jesus? One, we have to make sure that we are not speaking negatively about the faith. Amen? Keep debates off of social media anyway, because relationship is not going to be formed in that way. Discipleship can happen sometimes in that way, but usually these are sound bites and quick one words here, and there's no relationship. It's usually not the right forum for a healthy conversation. Refrain from speaking negatively about our pastors, about our leaders on social media. It's not the proper arena. Like, what do you think you're going to get from that? If there are actual legitimate needs that need to be met, there are ways to escalate them within the church. There are proper channels you can call the church. You don't need to air your dirty laundry out on social media. And now you got an unbeliever, it's like, see, they all messed up there. That's why I don't fool with the Lord. That's what happens. Refrain from disclosing inner tensions, struggles, divisions at your church. It's neither edifying nor conducive to finding a solution. You just, you just, you just, it's like, I think, I think Pastor Reggie said it one time, like that masturbatory spirit. You're just getting off on yourself because you ain't helping anybody else. Don't engage in bullying behavior. No foul language or name calling. Remain respectful at all times. Don't share, post, or condone content that would be seen to be racist, violent, discriminatory, misogynistic, the same thing that you have for your company. <laughs> and we are believers. 
And here's the thing, I can't force you to do any of these things. Ain't nobody making you sign a code of conduct when you come here and when you come a partner at Lifeline Church. It's not about that. These are mainly suggestions of things that you should do that I do. And the thing is, if you want to be a brand ambassador for Jesus, we have to remember that we have a responsibility. It's not about us. It's about the lost. Amen? Amen. So as I close, I'm going to give you a few scriptures for you to think on. Amen. Was this good? Amen. Amen. So Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25 in the NLT. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Amen? This is what we need to be doing, motivating, pushing people closer to Jesus. Amen? Matthew 5, 16 in the NLT. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Here's the thing. You're releasing your good deeds, and now they're going to praise your heavenly Father. That's what it's about. You doing things for other people, you're, you're, you're meeting their needs so that they can see, see the goodness of our Lord. Amen. Amen. Um, let's see. 1 Timothy 4.12 in the NLT. It says, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. Amen. This is for all of us. doesn't matter the age. We are all to be an example to everyone. Amen. Titus 2, verse 6 through 8. And it says, In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have, will have nothing bad to say. Amen. These are our principles. These are how we should be living our lives. And remember, your whole mission is to give people a sample of what it is to have God work in their life. That's what will make them want to know God for themselves. They have to be able to tell something, something different is going on in your life. Something that just isn't the same way for everybody else. And how do we do it? We go to our spheres of influence. We share our experiences. We share our hopes. We share our dreams. We share our successes. We share our failures. We show people a well-rounded example of a believer, of a disciple. It's not always going to be rainbows and cheery. But I know when the storm hits, I will be able to overcome it because of who I serve. Amen? 
Amen. Tell them about the goodness of God. That's what being a brand ambassador for Jesus Christ is. Amen. Amen. How many of you received the word today? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We'll give it up for the Lord and the word that he's given us all today. And I thank you that you're going to continue to do your job. Amen.